Autobots were like the Transformers if you got them in the toy store of the supermarket. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> It was it was like, you know, like what what your grandparents would get you if you asked them for a transformer as a present and they saw something that looked like it. And oh, they're so bad. So what was the knockoff thing for Hermione Granger? It was called Clogwarts or something. <laughs> like yeah. Chogwarts. Oh the oh the costume. Chogwarts. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Chogwarts of uh of Transformer technology. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm trying Oh, there was a film, Battle of the Rock Lords. Oh, God, this is so bad. <laughs> this is so bad. So, Jessica, would you go to Chalkboards or Hogwarts? Because I'm a Chalkboards kind of gal, I think. Um, well, I didn't get into my first choice school, so I think I am going to be at Chalkboards. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you at Chalkboards, Jessica Dennis. Nice. Uh, here we go. <laughs> 20 GoBots that remind us why the GoBots sucked so incredibly hard. Here we go. This will... This is this is this is quality content right here. I this tell is, you. Yeah. Oh my god, they're just like one of them has a face like sticking out of the bottom of the car. Oh wow, these are quality. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> this is awesome. I love that logo. It's so 80s. Yeah, I know. That is amazing. It, yeah. It's like they they like we tried. <laughs> these are low oh my rent. God, these are wow. terrible. Oh, they were so bad. And I had a collection of these because, like, I was a kid. I didn't Even know any why? better. <laughs> like, there's just one that's just, like, water pistol. Like, what What are you doing? And and Wrong Way is pretty much, like, the name of the of all the GoBots it should be. Oh, man, this one's a cap gun. Can kids still have those? Uh, probably not. Uh, they're probably yeah. they're probably there with the lawn darts GoBot. And... <laughs> <laughs> I would buy that. Yeah, to this day, I often go onto eBay and I look at um, copies of Shockwave, G1 Shockwave, because I wanted that Transformer, and I never got it as a child. And I feel like now that I'm an jo- adult with a job and a credit card, I feel like I should I should be able to get a, a Shockwave if I want one. Was Shockwave the ray gun or the, or the cassette player? The ray gun. Yeah, Soundwave was I'll the get, Yeah, I get player. Shockwave and Soundwave mixed up all the time. And Soundwave was the one that I wanted and I never had. Cause, really? Yeah, because I, I, I was that kind of a kid. What kind of music would you have been blasting out of Shockwave as a kid? For Soundwave, yeah. At that time in my life, probably Debbie Gibson. Oh, I love Debbie Gibson! I, I would say <laughs> Tiffany, personally. But yeah. I love Debbie Gibson, too. I, I was very into the, the mall pop stars at that age, which mm-hmm. I, I probably, toxic masculinity would have told me was not something that I should have been listening to, but, you know, I didn't know any better, and that's fine. And, and those songs still, <laughs> some of them sort of kind of hold up a little bit. Cherry in a in a candy retro kind of way, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Jessica, which one are you a fan of, Tiffany or Debbie Gibson? You know, I'm a couple years younger than you guys, so I wasn't really, <laughs> I, at that time, like, all the music that I listened to is basically the stuff that my mom played in the car. So yeah. I listened to like weird crap, like foreigner and ZZ top. Oh, <laughs> oh my kids are screwed judgment. then. I know it was terrible. <laughs> uh, I guess they're not so screwed because they were waking up early to try to, uh, to try to listen to the Taylor Swift album as soon as it was released. So <laughs> I guess they're, they're up enough that I haven't poisoned their minds too badly with my, as, as, as Maureen would call it, my angry boy music. Uh, <laughs> Your angry boy music. I don't think that's Tiffany. No, it's not Tiffany. It's definitely not. Tiffany's not Angry Boy music. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, so uh, is this is this what you're doing with your iPhone X's listening to? Uh, oh, I just Ten. did it. I did it. Ten. I did it. I did it. I did the thing. No, I. I oh, my God. 
I, 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 I need to go three hours dungeon now. That was terrible. You're, you're, uh, so is, is that what you're doing with your iPhone 10s listening to uh, Tiffany? That's all I'm doing is listening to Tiffany. We've got every <laughs> app open for that uh, to listen for Maximum Tiffany. And now it's great that when I want to listen to that song, I don't have to enter in a passcode, Steve Lubitz. I just hold the phone in front of my <laughs> face and then it works. So... So yeah. look, look, look me sweet. in the eyes if you want to listen to Tiffany. Is that is that what the the paradigm is now? <laughs> yes, yes, that's it. Well, let's talk about the iPhone because Jessica, you've got one too, the iPhone ten. Yes, yes, I, okay. I managed to get it on launch day by waking up at three a.m. and being good at refreshing the App Store app on my phone. You, you got to have good APM for that. Yeah, first of all, <laughs> fuck you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was also up at 3 a.m. and my order got completely screwed up. But yeah, I mean, what, how do you think you just refreshed? Did you do the Apple, uh, the Apple Store app? Did you do it through the website? How did you manage the snack one? Well, so it probably helped that I was on the iPhone upgrade program um, as this is my third year on it, I guess. Um, so I did that thing where you kind of pre set everything up. So basically, as soon as the Apple app, why did they name it this? As soon as the App Store app actually... No, god damn. The Apple Store app was, you know, launched and didn't say that wait, come, some coming soon, whatever the hell that stupid message is. As soon as it launched, I basically just tapped it and I was done pretty much. Um, so that probably helped a lot. I didn't like have to pick anything. Even the old thing where you had set it to a favorite and whatever was a little bit more friction than what I had as an upgrade program. Um, also, it probably helps that I have really bitch in the internet. Um, I'm a, I'm a Fios customer here in the great Northeast. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. And I See, just- that sucks because I'm also on the exact same plan. I am also a Fios customer, and I'm in Boston, and I was also up at 3 a.m., and uh, the App Store kept crashing on me, uh, and I, I'll save you all, like, the play-by-play on it, but long story <laughs> short, I woke up the next morning. It was like, there's an issue with your iPhone upgrade program loan, uh, and I'm oh, like, no. what? So they canceled my entire order, and then I had to put a new one in, and then Apple contacted me and was like, we'll move you up the queue, and then I found out they were sending the phone to an address I haven't lived at in two years, oh, so it was a whole nightmare but i did finally manage to get it on my way out of town and then i found out they put frank's number into the phone instead mm. of mine so i don't have a phone now and i have frank's number and frank doesn't have a phone yeah so, that's yeah. like really not great it's been a suboptimal experience jessica yeah. knows but let's talk yeah. about the phone itself like what are what are your impressions hey, before oh, before we get into that i just want to make sure to mention to to our <laughs> listeners that george is actually hiding in the woods trying to steal renee's oh. iphone 10 right now so <laughs> that's why she's that's why she's not with us if you haven't heard her voice yet but so uh, anyway sorry George I mean to is interrupt. actually she's moving this week yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah she's moving she so that she has easier week. access to steal renee's stuff so that that's yeah <laughs> we thought it was a joke when she said i'm gonna change houses to do better <laughs> vr and it wasn't a joke she it's, literally went and got a bigger house she she bought a vr mansion is what she did and so now nice. she's going to she's going to have a vr arcade at her at her fingertips man we're looking at houses here in boston you can't get anything for under a million dollars yes so. pretty much that's why Ridiculous. i live as far away from the city as i do well there you go there you go uh but yeah jessica what are what are your impressions of it oh god it's so like when i unbox 
boxed it, I was like overwhelmed with how pretty it is. And then I immediately yep. put a case on it. Yeah, same, <laughs> because, same. Because it's super fragile. But it's like, I haven't felt as in love with the design of a phone since my iPhone 3GS because I really like the the roundy like shiny corners that it has and it's really nice yep. to hold but it's also really nice to hold with a case on it because um, it's because like I don't I don't ever want it to be hurt because it's yep. such a beautiful little slab of glass and then like you start it up and it took me two and a half hours to get it activated so that was wonderful two and a half hours. Yeah, I was working from home that day so that I could receive the delivery because, <laughs> of uh, course, um, and I was just like in between like writing my code and compiling and crap. Like I was just like trying over and over again to get the goddamn thing to activate and, you know, Googling it and seeing. And there was one guy in the Mac Rumors forum who was like, yeah, I had the same. He like described the same thing I was seeing. And, and Apple told me that my phone was broken and I needed to get a new one. And I'm like... No, luckily that guy was full of crap. I don't know. <laughs> probably, probably the the app the um, Apple Care employees were just like, I want this guy to stop talking to me. I will tell him his phone is bricked, and we'll send him a new one. I don't know, because right. like it it just took forever. I blame AT and T. It's probably not their fault. It's it's probably Apple's fault. Well, I mean, yeah, it's probably overloaded. But as far as the phone itself, how do you feel about it? Because for me, I. I love this phone and I know I'll get used to it, but at the same time, I kind of hate this phone, <laughs> like oh, the no. gestures I'm trying to get used to. But I mean, what are your impressions? I actually got used to the gestures surprisingly quickly. And now I'm like, I try to use them on my Apple watch. <laughs> like oh, yeah? I try to use the thing, the, the app switching gesture. Cause you can do like, Oh, I hate a, that. I hate that. Oh, there's a, there's an easier way to, I don't know how you're officially supposed to do it. I think it's some stupid thing, but you can just like swipe up and then immediately to the right, like in a sort of a gentle curve that, that follows the, the rounded corners of your iPhone almost. And Let it's me really try this. seamless. Oh, wow. Wait, that's better. That reminds me of like yeah. trying to get the ball to curve in Wii Bowling years ago. Like it never quite worked <laughs> the way you wanted it to. Oh, no, Jessica, this, you saved me. That's so much better. Oh, isn't thank it? goodness. Like, oh, I read wow. a description. I don't remember the official way, but I read a description. I was like, that sounds horrible. This works wonderfully. And it's just super seamless. And it's and the animations are perfectly smooth. And it's it's it feels really natural to me now. So just in case the listeners out there don't know this, the, the way that the manual tells to do it is, um, you know, for the old phone, you would double click the home button and then uh, your multitasker would come up. Uh, for this phone, the way it tells you to do it is to swipe from the bottom of the screen up, and then you would have to hold it there for a moment, which is really, really, really uncomfortable. So you'll like go up, wait a minute, and then you hold, and then the multitasker comes up. The other thing they've changed is you cannot just swipe up to force an app closed now. Um, you have to like hold it down, put it into jiggle mode, and then discard it, which is a really, really awkward experience. So uh, Jessica, what you're talking about is you basically do an arc up and to the right of the phone, the left of the phone. Um, well, I'm going to the right from left to right. Let me try like, that. Sort of. Yeah. I wonder. I, I wonder if they made works. it harder to kill the apps on purpose to stop like all the people who are killing every single app in their phone um, constantly. Maybe. And you actually can. You don't have to like hold and wait for the jiggle. If you hold it for kind of like maybe half a second, you get the little red 
go away icons and then you can just swipe up like you used to. So if you do want to quit all your apps reasonably quickly, you you pretty much can. So it's just just it's a little bit more friction there. Um, and Definitely. it might be it might be deliberate because people were in the habit of quitting their apps all the time. I actually knew somebody and I thought this was the weirdest use case I've ever heard of. This person would turn their phone off at night. Like just what? turn it all the way off. Like instead of plugging like, it in to charge it, just turn it off and then charge it like I don't know, in the morning or something. I don't even know. Cuz like there there was like no plug by their nightstand or something i'm like that's so they would my just turn God. it off to keep it from wasting battery like yeah they're, they're, they're turning off their phone every night and i'm like how do you who, can't you just get like real? an extension cord like what <laughs> right i i found this so baffling and i'm not even going to disclose anything about this person because i feel like that would be so mortifying to, yeah. <laughs> to have everybody know about <clears throat> the weird way you use like, your phone. Like my phone is literally my alarm clock. Like I couldn't imagine turning my phone off because I would just never wake up. <laughs> yeah. The other issue I really have with the the changed interface is reachability. Oh my uh, god. It's terrible. <laughs> this is the biggest fault with the iPhone 10 and I really really hope they fix this. So the best feature and literally the reason I don't use my Android phones <laughs> is because it doesn't have reachability built in. Uh in case you don't know, one of the compromises uh Apple made with moving to a bigger screen size was if you not pressed, but if you just tapped on top of the home button twice, it would shift everything on the phone downwards. So you'll be able to access it. And this is really, really good because if you're sending a tweet and you have your phone in one hand, there's no way to like touch the top and hit that send tweet button. Um, what they've done with the iPhone 10, because there's not a home button to lightly tap, is you have to go to accessibility, you have to turn it on. And you have to, there's this little bar that's at the bottom of the screen constantly. You have to put your thumb on it and pull it down. And I tell you, the implementation on this is BS. It it's is terrible. Bad. It's horrible. And I mean, it fails for me probably three times out of five. I mean, what is it like for you, Jessica? Pretty much like that, maybe four times out of five. I've yeah. almost given up on reachability and one-handed phone use. It's yep. They need to fix that. Because also, like, it should really be on by default because unless you have, like, really, really, like, more than one standard deviation larger than the average hands, there's no way that you're getting anywhere near the top of your phone. And I I have little bitty hands, which is another reason I was really glad that the iPhone X came out so that I could get the good cameras without a gigantic phone. Uh, And I didn't have to buy a new wallet. But um, I do miss reachability a lot. I used to actually use that. Um, and occasionally explain to people what was happening on their phone when they triggered it by accident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've they've absolutely got to fix that. I don't know why it went away, but um, that to me is by far the biggest complaint about the phone. Like it hurts my hand to you know, do all the gymnastics to get to it. Um, one of the reasons I got the iPhone ten is because I have uh, started to experience carpal tunnel from using mm. my phone so oh, much. Geez. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's there though. I mean, the, the screen on it, I think is excellent. I definitely love the screen. It's faster. I haven't played around much with the camera and something I'm going to try to do today is, uh, use portrait mode, uh, mm-hmm. with my dog rocket's face. So <laughs> if you don't know what portrait mode is, it combines the scanner 
uh, the face scanner, the 3D scanner with uh, this sort of really dark, traumatic uh, stage lighting. And then it uses the 3D map of your face to put shadows all around it. So I'm hoping I can finally capture Rocket's serious, <laughs> intense essence by well, doing that. Can you can you do an animoji with Rocket's face also? Would that work? Or is I it should. only your face that it'll that no, do it No, we should with? do the dog face and then Rocket can see what it's like for a dog to have <laughs> Oh, Oh, I've already planned out your Sunday. This is fantastic. This Um, is great. That's what I'm doing today. I'm not running for Congress today. I am doing pictures. Making dog dog and emojis. This is very important work. Very important work. So, so, I mean, as like you're both obviously very savvy and, you know, are used to, you know, learning new gestures and stuff like that. I mean, they're advertising this as a – as a mass market phone, at least based on the number of television commercials I see constantly, is this going to be like once this starts trickling down to quote unquote quote normal people, <laughs> how well do you think that people who have been using an iPhone for like the last five, six, seven, eight years are going to adapt to something like this? Because I mean if you're if if we're learning about gestures like on the podcast right now. I don't know how like a normal person who just uses the phone and kills all their apps and that's the only thing they know how to do is going to figure all those things out that aren't like in the manual up front. You know what I mean? I I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I didn't read the manual and I feel like that was really good. Um, because it stopped me from trying to do things the stupid official way. Um, I'm an, I'm like a horrible crank and I don't like to change my behaviors ever at all. And I adapted to this phone extremely quickly. So I kind of feel like it shouldn't be a problem for a lot of people. Like it, it all feels very natural to me. Um, the way I do it, not the official way. That's stupid. <laughs> yeah, um, the official I mean, way there's, sucks. There's definitely going to be a uh, a learning curve as you're getting used to this phone. Um, I would say it's very steep. I really kind of predict normal people are going to hate it. Um, you know, it's Face ID is. You acclimate to it pretty quickly, but it's still kind of a, a frustrating experience to work with. Um, so yeah, um, I I. I think something that really helps my understand what normal people expect with a phone is being married to Frank. Yeah. And I just handed him the phone. I'm like, figure out how to turn it on. And he couldn't. Um, so I really, I do expect that people grudgingly get used to it, but I don't think they're going to be happy. Yeah. Aww. I mean, I, I'm just thinking back to like my, my experience with one of my family members when the iPad first came out and we spent literally 20 minutes on the phone with them trying to get past slide to unlock because it kept going away like she like she would press the button and it would say slide to unlock and then by the time that she was figuring out what to do it would turn off and then she would have to start all over again and i'm like this this is kind of the the iphone gestures and like what you do with the home button is learn behavior that's been there for a long time and I it's like I would understand if this is something that Apple was positing as like this is the next gen thing that we don't expect everybody to buy, but we're putting it out so that the you know the hardcore users can give feedback and you know use it so that we can we can make the next version better. But that doesn't really jive with seeing that commercial with like the sand flowing through the screen every five seconds when I'm watching, when I'm watching my sitcoms at night. So I I don't, I I wonder what's going to happen once more people get their hands on this. 
I think it's a really good question. Um, I do want to say, like, Apple pundits did predict that no one would buy the bigger phones uh, when they came out, said that normal people would hate them. That wasn't true. Apple had their biggest year ever. So um, I think – I do think people will get used to it. But yeah. um, you're you're right that there's, there's absolutely a learning curve with it. I think really the biggest problem with the phone, more than anything, is something you touched on at the beginning of the show, Jessica, and it's the breakability of it. Yeah. You know, every single drop test has shown this is the most breakable phone that Apple has shipped since the iPhone 4. And uh, I've used my phone naked for a really long time. And it frustrates me to put, uh, you know, this case. And the Apple case is very nice. It's a fine case. It's not very heavy. It's actually reasonably priced too. But it frustrates me to have such a gorgeous phone that feels... I, Jessica, how would you describe it when you put it in your hand? It is it is magnificent. Like it's cold and it's glass. It just feels amazing. Yeah. It's got a good weight to it, so it feels like a really solid piece of technology. It just it's it like it feels like a quality thing, like an amazing thing that you're holding in your hand. And you never experience it. <laughs> so <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean the, they have these um their leather case uh color options are really nice this year. I have yep. the dark aubergine one and it's gorgeous. I just went red. I'm a red kind of girl. So yeah, yeah. So anyway, there it is, Steve. Okay. Anything else you want to say about that or should we uh should we move on? Let's move on. Y'all. Okay, yeah. so then then let me tell you about something that does not have a learning curve, and that is Squarespace. <laughs> and oh, this ep- this episode of Disruption is brought to you by Squarespace, where you can enter offer code Disruption at checkout to get ten percent off your first purchase, and you can make your next move with Squarespace, where you can easily create a website for your next idea. You can get a, your own domain, award winning templates, and so much more. You can make an online store, a portfolio, a blog, whatever you want. Squarespace is the all in one platform that lets you do just that with nothing to install. No patches to worry about, no upgrades needed, and no no weird gestures that you'll have to learn. <laughs> and uh, they have award-winning 24-7 support if you do need any help. And as, as part of signing up for a Squarespace account... They help you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name to make your site your own. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off all of your ideas. Uh, I use, I've used Squarespace for my site for a long time. It's been, it's been really easy to get things set up. I've used it for off-curve, and I'm able to drop in a link to the audio file, no problem. Really simply, it takes me like five minutes. And I, I can't recommend it enough as well. I've been using it for a long time. Several of us have. Um, and you can get your Squarespace site right away. Uh, it's plan started just $12 a month and you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. And when you do decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code disruption and get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for disruption. Uh, and thank you very much to Squarespace for their support of disruption and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Yeah, before we go to the next topic, I've had to move my site away from Squarespace to some specialized uh, election software that no one needs to use unless they're running for Congress because <laughs> it's almost $3,000 a month. Ooh. I miss Squarespace every day, y'all, because the software is so horribly bad. Like, I'm going through and trying to remember CSS stuff that I learned a million years ago. It Mm. is... And look, look, like, by the time this goes to air, go look at the new Brianna Wu 2018 website. It is not as good as my Squarespace site. So, I miss you, Squarespace. Uh, Consider (laughs) moving into the election software space, maybe. That would be great. Yeah, Yeah, you you could have an online 
next door for do- for donations. There you go. <laughs> That's right. It would be great. Although the FEC may have something to say about that. Uh, they might. Um, so so let's talk about something that all something else that does not require a lot of weird gestures, and that is Super Mario Odyssey. So oh, oh wait a minute, we're talking about Mario specifically. <laughs> I need to pronounce it right so that you don't yell at me. Super Mario yep. Odyssey. Sorry, Mario. Great. Sorry, Thank you. I, I will Thank I, you. We for for this that. episode. I will I will pronounce it the the traditional way. I guess I I'll say. I feel like now I need to say it Mario just to kind of balance things out. Well, no, see, there you go. No, Jessica. No, <laughs> Jessica. I, you know, I think I kind of say it both ways randomly. I've never, like, paid that much attention. Also, I don't tend to talk about it that much because I... I can't really do real platformers. Oh did, did you get Did I'm, you get it for the Switch or no? I don't think so. Because um, if if either of us had got it, it would have been my husband because he yeah. like has owned every Nintendo system ever, um, and I wasn't really allowed to play. <laughs> my brother like kind of barred me from the Nintendo, so I never developed platforming skills. I just can't. So I feel like it would be too frustrating for me to even bother. I would actually disagree. This is a really easy game. Like you just hammer the hat throw button. <laughs> That's yeah. the main skill. Yeah. Well, I, I can I can button mash. I'm actually really good at button mashing because I played the flute in high school. So <laughs> there we go. Oh, there so my, go. my daughter, my, my oldest is, is playing the flute. So maybe that's why she decided to go that way. She, she had the button yeah. mashing skills already. So now she's just like translating well, those into music. It'll be the opposite way for her. She'll be like really good at trilling because she's good at button mashing. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, do you have a Switch, Jessica? Do you? I do. Okay. I don't remember why I bought it. I have played a few things on it. Um, well, you should yeah. definitely play this. It's not, I mean, I know what you're talking about, like, especially with, like, new Super Mario Brothers. It can be frustrating playing through those levels because you die so much, especially with holes. Um, this isn't that game. Um, one of the things I love about it is there's not a set number of lives. Yeah. Uh, if you fall in a hole, you just die, and it'll take away some of your coins, which are what you collect to buy outfits. Um, so, but I mean, Steve, tell me about your impressions before yeah. I monologue. Yeah. About so, it. so I, I, I was nervous about this one because I am, I, okay. I will, I'm not going to say I don't like Super Mario 64, but it is low on my list of, of Mario games that I've enjoyed if I'm going to rank them. Could and, not agree more. Could and, not agree more And strongly. Mario Sunshine, which is what this seemed to be closest to, is the Mario game that nearly turned me off of the franchise forever. So I was really nervous about this because it looked like there was going to be the thing that turned me off about Mario Sunshine. And part of this is my ADD and part of this is just the way that I am, is that I really cannot stand wandering around looking for something to do. And it looked like these open world areas with within a Mario game was going to be a lot of like wandering around looking for the next objective. And then you find it. You have five minutes of fun and 30 minutes of wandering around. It, it turned out to not be that way. And it, what what really impressed me with the game is that they took away a lot of the general frustrations that a lot of the Mario games have kept, even going all the way through to the new Super Mario new uh, was it Super Mario 3D World is that the Wii one, um, which I, I thought was a fantastic game. The Wii one, the Wii, the Wii U, U one, one the Super, Wii U one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super Mario 3D World, which is the best Mario game to date, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. So what? But what they did was they took away some of like the the things that made the games feel old, which was the number of lives and the time in the levels. Yep. So it takes away a lot of the pressure to figure out how to get from point A to point B. Like the problem with with Super Mario 3D World is that like if you're looking for like the hidden things in the world, which it really wants you to do, 
you're doing that in like a time limit while you're trying to do everything else and it just doesn't work and here like i was kind of stumbling upon some of the hidden moons just by having played platformers for 30 years and oh that wall looks like it's open what happens if i walk over there oh there's a moon there okay good and i never really felt like i was searching around looking for things except for like one section in new donk city where i was looking for like the musicians but other than that i felt like i was just kind of playing straight through like i wanted to with the platformer up until the point where i got through the end credits and it, it felt like it was like the things that they were doing were new and fresh enough, but also familiar. And yeah. it it really felt it felt like it wanted me to explore and it was and it wasn't punishing me for it, which is the first time that I felt that in a Mario game. So I, once I got through the end credits and it's going back through the levels and finding more moons, I started to lose interest because then it started feeling more like wandering around looking for things to do. But the initial playthrough all the way through the end credits is a fantastic experience. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not as far as you are, Steve, because yeah. uh, running for Congress unfortunately yeah. takes away from <laughs> oh, the video oh, so that, so that means we can't talk. That means we can't talk about the ending then? I was – because – I, no, please I think, don't. Please okay, don't, please we, don't, we will don't. have to do that because I have a we'll feeling. We'll do it at some point. Yeah, sure. I have a feeling you're going to have some thoughts, but yeah. Oh, anyway, okay. <laughs> but my okay. So you know, this is the the structure of this game is it basically holds you to certain um, very I wouldn't say small open world levels, but it's like a self contained level. So like the the desert world is a level, and the forest world is a level. Um, and I, I definitely like that. This really is an evolution of Super Mario 3D World, which I consider to be the best game uh, ever made, even above this. Um, because you're like in Super Mario 3D World, you try to find the three stars in the level by really experimenting around. This is um, it, it's very much like that, but there are a lot more of them. And something I really like is the amiibo functionality. Like you can scan your amiibos and then they will go out and search for uh, moons. And it takes it five minutes. And then you come back and it will actually mark the location on your mini map, which really helps you find these things a lot. Um, what I am frustrated about with this game is it's the exact same problem I've had with most Mario games. You know, when Super Mario 2 came out, um, I was like, thank God they're finally allowing you to play as women characters in these games. Mm, yeah. And I expect it to be the same from then on. It was nearly 20 years later until Super Mario 3D World until Princess Peach was unlockable at the beginning of the game. And no, we don't count Rosalina where you have to play through the entire game and get to the very end and collect everything to finally play as a, a woman character. No, we don't count that. Um, this is right back to that old structure. Yeah. And there is no four player. You can do two player, but it's two dudes again. So um, I just, for me, this is really a big deal. I am, this is, uh, it causes me to emotionally disconnect from the game. Yeah. So as good as I think the overall gameplay is here, um, it frustrates me because I don't really, I've never felt that big an emotional connection to Mario. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen that when my daughters have been playing it, too. And we got the we got the three Amiibos for the game because Target was doing a buy to get one free that for some reason worked on Amiibos also. So they've so they the peach uh, Amiibo for Odyssey will let you unlock a an outfit where Mario will run around in Peach's wedding dress. And that's as, <laughs> that's as close as they've gotten. And yeah. which sucks that they have to, right? Like it's it's like that's the best that they're getting. 
And but that's what they're doing because that's the closest that they're going to get in this game. And it sucks. And I don't understand why Nintendo doesn't get this. And, and I mean, even the story with with Bowser, like kidnapping her and for a wedding again. And, and it's like mm. I've always I've always kind of thought about and I can I think I can say this without spoiling the ending. I've always kind of thought about Bowser as just kind of like a generically evil dude. Like he's a sex criminal. That that's what I'm finding <laughs> as part true. of this game. Yeah. Is that is that that's what it is, is that it's not that he's like trying to take over the mushroom kingdom and, and kidnapping Peach is like a means to an end for that. Like right. he's he's a creepy stalker. And yeah, he is. And and that's that kind of creates a whole other layer to his personality that I didn't really want, especially when you're <laughs> when you're using Bowser as like the character for the like at the mascot for the parental controls on the switch because he's like the only dad that they have oh. it it's it's really kind of creepy the way that they've set it up and i don't even think they realize like how creepy it is that he's like the whole idea of the game if you haven't followed it at all is that he's he's kidnapped peach and he's going to have a wedding on the moon and he's and all the the levels that you're going to are like different things that you need for the wedding. Like one place he's stolen a wedding dress, another one he's stolen cakes, and, wedding rings. Yep, and, and like a lot of the boss of the bosses that you fight are literally the wedding planners. Yep. <laughs> and, and, okay. And it's, okay. It's, but yeah. I have to say this, Steve. I have to say this. What gets even creepier? Like once you figure out Bowser is a sex criminal, yeah. that's trying to like work in sex trafficking for his own <laughs> like uh, fulfillment. I guess might be the word. Start thinking about the 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 government structure of the Mushroom Kingdom because this is where it gets really fracked up. Okay, so the Mushroom Kingdom is filled with totes. That is the the yep. ethnic race. Of the Mushroom Kingdom, which seems to have been like colonialized by white people, right? Like you've got <laughs> Princess that is what Peach. We do. That's right. So it's Princess Peach. She came in. She's like a monarch of this kingdom. But then you start thinking about, it, and there's no infrastructure to the Mushroom Kingdom. There's no army to like protect anything there's no water infrastructure because the pipes are all busted everywhere the the monetary system like they're the the centralized um like currency of the mushroom kingdom it's like all these coins have just been like distracted around that you've got to go mine and break things for which is very destructive to the environment they need like a centralized currency there (laughs) um you know there's no I guess, like, because it's been, like, a, a colonial structure that there's no tax base to, you know, basically hire a secret service for Princess Peach. And then you've just got Mario, who's this uh, soldier of fortune, I guess, <laughs> that's coming oh. through. He's a private military operation going through to save her. This is a really messed up story, Steve Lubitz. Oh, this is and, messed up. And you don't you don't even know the half of it yet. So, yeah, I, yeah I'm waiting for you to get through the rest of the story. No, it's, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you, oh, for me to play the rest of the yeah, story. Yeah, okay. because, yeah, I don't, again, I don't want to spoil the ending, but it, it, the, the, this conversation takes off on an additional dimension once you see what what happens at the end so okay yeah. i'm gonna have to play this then yeah like i'm gonna have to struggle through yeah. it and, 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 and it's, it's, kill, it's killing me to not spoil it for you but i won't but it, <laughs> yeah it, it's 
it's I, I this will be to be continued on a future episode, I'm sure. So I can't wait. I can't wait. No, it seems to me like, you know, clearly the 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 structure in the mushroom kingdom is libertarian. Like, <laughs> oh, you no. know, that's I mean, it makes sense, right? Like there's no central tax, there's no infrastructure is funded by anyone. Uh, you know, the the people of the mushroom kingdom, like they're just like living in squalor and like these <laughs> houses. There's barely any roads, it's just dirt paths. I mean, this Super Mario universe is a real tale about the dangers of libertarianism taken <laughs> too far. So there it is. It's it's an educational game when you think about it. It's like the Oregon yeah, Trail really for you know modern politics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's Princess Peach's? I mean, she's a princess, but shouldn't she be like Queen Peach? Like I've never seen you know Princess Peach's mother around. Have you? I, well, I mean, maybe maybe she's like the Duchess of the of the Mushroom Kingdom, and like her parents are you know the 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 monarchs of like another of the occupying power. Okay. You know? Well, if if that's true, they suck at their jobs, Steve. <laughs> they are failing. They're really not providing appropriate oversight. They really are not. You know. Um, I mean, where's the where's the Congress? Like, where's the where's the judiciary? Like, yeah. you know, where's the therapist for Princess Peach? Like, I counted it one time, and she's been kidnapped by a sex trafficker about twenty six times. Like, she probably needs a therapist at this point. Yeah. Like, where's the where's the toad version of Georgia? Uh, I think that's Toadette, actually. I'm pretty sure that's that's what she is. She's she like just don't 10. See She's 10. Like, oh, well, my gosh. I mean, yeah. they're all 10. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that the story wasn't as weird and creepy as it was, because, like, a lot of the, you know, the meat of the game, and it is, like, the gameplay itself is fantastic, and, like, a lot of the throwbacks to the earlier games, like, like New Donk City is is amazing. And I didn't think I was going to like it because I'm like, this is this is weird and wrong with like him running around in like 1940s New York or whatever. But especially like the whole sequence where you're you're playing through the festival and you have to play through all of like these Donkey Kong themed 2D levels as the as the song from the trailer is going. It's just like there's a lot of it's clearly it's clear that they put a lot of work and a lot of care into the gameplay for this game. And, uh, you know, it's it's just a shame that some of the some of the the story elements kind of get in the way of that you know sometimes because like it's delightful like running into these weird things or like you know like, like everyone's seen the the like taking control of the dinosaur and just stomping through like the caveman level and and those things are really like fun in a way that they haven't done before and the design is in a way that you can you can play it and and fail but not get frustrated which is something that Mario's really struggled with in the past. Like Mario's not, a ser- serial killer, by the way, yeah. Steve. Just well, so you we know. know. Okay. That's yeah. that's fair. Okay. I mean, he's yeah. he's murdered so many turtles and Goombas over the years. Yeah. Environmental um, and, and now he and now he's like spiritually possessing them. Yeah. Um Mario's but, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. He is the wor- the worst villain of our age, to be clear, but it's really true. But the it's game really the game true. is fun and you should play it if you have a Switch. So it's a very good game. I definitely yeah. agree with that. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Uh, uh, so last thing I'll say before we move on, if I'm elected <laughs> to Congress and if I am ever in a position to help name a city, I promise I'll do everything I can to get American actual New Donk City because yeah. that has to be a thing that exists. Like New York oh. should pass that law today. I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly would feel much less animosity towards New York City if it was called New Donk City. Could we rename Boston to that? 
Boston is New Donk City. Hmm. Mm. I like. I don't that. think Boston's think really a New Donk City. Do you not? Yeah. No, yeah. I don't think. I don't think it could pull it off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we. I don't think we could pull off a musical number in the middle of town the way that the way that New York could. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We're you know, you don't really have people. that kind of a venue. You <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. Yeah, that's uh, our our god in Boston. In case you don't live here, is Mark Wahlberg. So oh. it's kind of hard oh, to imagine. I'm so sorry. No, yeah. Jessica, do you? I mean, I'm a, like when you fly out of the airport, they have a store called Wahlburger, and it's a yeah. restaurant. And wow. You just go there, and it's Mark Wahlberg's smiling face looking yeah. at you like, "Hi, I'm Mark Wahlberg, and I'm yeah, here." Like, he I is took our... the train into Boston, yeah. not yeah. the. <laughs> Not a plane, and I missed out, I guess, on that he's, whole experience. <laughs> he's basically our Pope. Wow. Yeah. You know, I mark. Mean, you know, it's, it's fair. <laughs> he, he's, done, he's done about as much as the Pope has done, I imagine. So, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what I mean by that. But uh, <laughs> Brown with 2018 does not endorse that statement. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we should probably go on to questions before yes, I get myself yes. into trouble with uh, with other religions. Um, so we had a, a question from Timothy that's a question for you all, specifically, Bree. With the elections this week, how do you as a candidate running, uh, does it change the landscape and the way that people will approach the midterm elections next year? OK, so I want to tell you guys, ever since the Democrats, uh, you know, uh, basically cleaned up last Tuesday for the election, our fundraising has just been bananas and like I've put out an ad or two, but I haven't really done anything. People out there understand that they donate to candidates and support candidates and run as a candidate. They can win. And I was so excited because like for the first time since Trump won, I felt hope. So like I'm telling you guys, I'm about to get off this podcast and go to my office and just work all weekend long. Like I've been working so hard since this happened because it's proven that candidates from the outside can take on the status quo and win. We had a ton of people of color candidates win. We had a ton of transgender candidates win. We had a ton of women candidates win. And, you know, these aren't people that are like the corporate Wall Street Democrats. Like these are really true progressive voices out there. So I I mean, I'd love to know how you feel, Jessica. Do you feel hope? Because I feel a lot of hope. I do. I really surprisingly do. I was one of my biggest anxieties. Well, not really, but, you know, I was sort of mildly upset that I would not be moving to Virginia soon enough to vote against, sorry, Steve, that asshole Ed Gillespie, um, who's just a terrible, terrible person. And it was so gratifying when he didn't win. And then to see all the news about all of these actual diverse, I mean, so the better white guy beat the worse white guy. That's okay. But, um, but the rest of the news was even more exciting. Um, and, and, and I read somewhere and I wish I ever remembered citations, but I don't, but somebody pointed out that, Democrats have been have been basically letting Republicans have seats that we assumed that were theirs and Republicans have categorically not been giving us the same courtesy and it seems like maybe maybe uh liberals it, broadly um including progressives are are kind of catching on that we can do something about this we don't have to accept that there are certain areas that are just Republicans I'm like mildly acquainted with one of the um 
Georgia, new Georgia state representatives, who's a programmer in Athens, and it was a deep red district. And he won, not just like, percentage wise, but he like won such that he doesn't even have to do a runoff. And that was like amazing for that area. Absolutely. I mean, you lose 100% of the shots that you don't take, right? So if you're in a red state and you're not out there running, you're going to lose that. And we do need candidates that will step up. But this is where I've really got to get honest with you guys and every one of the listeners. And I've just, I've really got to give it to you straight. What we're learning as far as me running for office here in Boston is you can't count on the DNC. You just mm-hmm. can't. You can't. I'm sorry. You know, uh, I realize there's a lot of consternation about Donna Brazil's book, and we can have a discussion about that. But one of the things that's just not at odds is the utter um, irresponsibility and dysfunction of the DNC. Um, you know, her book tells some real tales about how it's just underfunded and the money is all getting assigned from behind the scenes to different people. And it's not a uh, uh, an organization that will work to amplify voices of, say, POC candidates. So what we are learning here in Boston is, like, you have to build everything yourself. And so this is my real message to the listeners out there. We can do this, but the simple fact is you cannot run for office and hold a full-time job at the same time. It's just not possible. And it really comes down to people out there supporting candidates that they believe in and donating to us. Because you can't, you can't go after, like for me, somebody with Stephen Lynch, this dude has millions in the bank from his like corporate buddies that have given him money to keep the status quo going. And like it's, it's a two-part system where you've got to have candidates that are willing to take a break from their career and get out there and challenge this broken system. But you also have to have people that will stand up and donate money. Yeah, I mean, and, and most people, and that's why you don't get a lot of people running who aren't millionaires already, is most yeah. people can't afford to take, I mean, you're taking a year and a half off from your career. It's terrible, uh, Steve. And yeah. and yeah, and most people can't, afford to do that i mean but either either in terms of their career in general if they don't win or just in terms of just like sheer like living wage like you can't most people can't afford to do that and especially if they don't win and they don't they then they have to go back into the workforce after having taken you know a year and a half off that's that's a big risk for most people which is why you don't get as many people running for office as you would and and why most of the people who are there are you know are millionaires and are thinking with a millionaire's point of view yeah and not no, thinking it's about dead on. and not it's thinking dead about on. and not thinking about like how normal people that's why there was a there was something i read that the a the republican tax bill was defining middle classes having <laughs> having at least four hundred thousand dollars in salary and it's like oh that's God. middle class of what <laughs> that's it, so it, it's it but it were it does change your perspective when you're when you're not living that life with a normal a normal salary a normal household yeah no that's dead on and people don't know this but you cannot live off campaign donations i mean you can't use it for rent or food, you know, if you're out um, on a, like, if I travel to D.C. and I have a business lunch, I can write that off or use it through my campaign. But, 
you know, you have to find a way to live while you're running for office. And, you know, for all the times we've talked about on this show, um, my airbag jokes with my Audi TT, a lot of the reason that hasn't been fixed is because I'm not working right now, right? And it's been a real financial sacrifice to my family uh, to do that. So, you know, it's... My message here is basically we can definitely win, but we can't win by just tweeting. You know, you've got to get involved. And maybe that is, um, maybe that is go out and donate money. Maybe it's donate time. One of the things we've set up for my campaign is Nation Builder. And we are going to have some ways that you can help my campaign by like tweeting and doing social networking things. But you have to get involved if you want this to change. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, but I mean, I think what's what's good that came out of Tuesday is that it, 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 it even outside of the actual elections themselves, it showed that people are, that the people who are were responsible for the the way that the elections turned out in 2016 were did are not necessarily the majority, but that not as many people maybe voted the way that they would have otherwise because of a number of different reasons. And part of that might have been apathy. Part of that might have just been there was a lot of talk about not being able to see the difference between the two candidates, you know, back then. <laughs> I still can't deal with that. I still people. can't deal with that either. Like but, but but it's, you know, people. I don't think people were taking the, the threat that not participating uh, would cause seriously enough. And, and that was a wake-up call. And now this showed that when – you know, when enough people are taking their responsibility to vote seriously, that, you know, this the group that's kind of taken over a lot, taken advantage of a lot of that over the last several years isn't as powerful as they seem to be like a year ago. I agree. And that they can be they can be, you know, defeated at the polls if enough people show up and care enough to do the right thing. Last thing I'll say on this before we close out this question, Steve, is um, you know you you showed the link last night that scared the the hell out of me, yeah. and I think it probably scared a lot of people. Sixty thousand white supremacists marching in Poland, uh, you know, with banners saying things like uh, "Clean blood, Europe will be white." Pl- yeah. Pray for the Islamic Holocaust. Um, yeah, this isn't just in, uh, something that's going on in America. Violent right-wing nationalism is on the rise all around the freaking world. And this is something we're really going to have to come to grips with. For me, I look at this and I think the the core issues are wealth inequality. And I think it's uh, a social media system that has really abrogated its duty to verify that anything we're sharing is true or Mm -hmm. safe. Um, So, But the the thing is, this is a, a worldwide issue. And it's not something you can just sit out here in America. Like this is this is really this like I in my opinion, this is the most serious post World War II challenge that we've faced. Like, is America gonna go down this really dark path, this totalitarian path, this white nationalist path? Or are we gonna stand up and stop it now? Um and I think like now is the time for anyone that cares to really you know, get involved. So what's the other question, Steve? Okay. So the other question is, um, after hearing Steve talk about how important a Jewish main character is, I'm interested in what you think about the self-censorship Bethesda did for for Wolfenstein 2 in Germany. 
Um, some background, since the judge decided in 1994 that swastikas in the original Wolfenstein 3D were not protected as art, but forbidden as Nazi propaganda, many com- game companies self-censor their games in Germany, removing swastikas and other Nazi symbols. Uh, it's unclear today that the courts would un- uphold that ruling, um, but publishers don't want to risk their game pull- getting pulled from the shelves. Now, Bethesda did more than that with Wolfenstein 2. They removed any reference to Nazis from the game. The Nazis are now the regime. Hitler is Herr Heiler. And worst of all, there were never were concentration camps, and any Jewish characters are not Jewish in this version of the game. Instead, they're referred to as traitors, and the main character's mother didn't die in a concentration camp but in prison. Uh, German press mostly concentrated on the swastikas, but some saw the hypocrisy of basically making a clean version of the game that any alt-right Nazi would be happy to play, seeing that the, the Holocaust is denied and there are no Nazis. Oh, yeah, that so, sucks. So, <laughs> um, I mean, I guess my feel again, I haven't played Wolfenstein 2. I've, I've seen this happen enough with other games that have this kind of material. I will say that there is no such thing as Holocaust denial within Germany. Like, that is part of their curriculum. And they learn in school and they are very, um, very aware in a way that we're not in this country, in the U.S., about the Confederacy. Um, Mm -hmm. They are very aware of what they do and they learn a lot more than we do in this country about what caused the Holocaust and the horrible things that they did. So that said, I and and the other thing is that there are games that are just outright not allowed to be sold in the country if they don't abide by the by the censorship laws and the censorship laws are kind of vague and your your the goalposts move. So it's hard for them to know what is going to be acceptable for them to put in and what's not. I mean, Gears of War was just outright banned because they didn't like the whole chainsaw gun thing. And then Microsoft obviously wasn't changing it. And that was just the end. That that, just, that game just didn't get sold in Germany. So I think that for a game like this, like I'm I don't think it's really erasure to sell that version of the game specifically in Germany only because there's you don't you don't need to show people what how bad the Holocaust was in Germany. Like, they know. I think that they could have taken a stand and said that they just weren't going to sell it there. Maybe that's the maybe that was the right thing to do. But I don't blame a not that I don't blame. I understand a triple a triple a publisher going to those lengths to ensure that the game's going to sell, given how much money that they're investing in a game like that. And as long as they're selling, as long as that's the alternative version of a game just for within Germany, and that's not like a mode that you can get into from outside Germany, then I think that, you know, that's probably okay. All right. All right. Yeah, I I, I, I would only add on to that. We need to have a much more open discussion about white supremacy and, you know, our history of extreme racism here in the United States. Uh, we certainly didn't have that in Mississippi growing up, and I think <laughs> we're seeing the consequences of that now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, so um, I think that's all the questions we have. Anything else for the, the good or the order, or should we, uh, should we let these people go? <laughs> Let's uh, close it out. All right, so um, you can uh, find the show notes for this show and every show at relay.fm slash disruption. You can um, send us your questions to um, our Twitter account, which is at underscore disruption FM, or you can leave us a voicemail at 508-418-3532. We will get that on the show. Um, if 
Georgia was here, she would tell you that she you can find her stuff at anxiety-videos.com and you can find her at Georgia underscore Dow on Twitter because we still haven't haven't accosted the person <laughs> who has has the username without the underscore. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Wicked Good, and you can find me jabbering about Hearthstone at, on Off Curve at OffCurve.com. And uh, Brie, where can people find you? So uh, if you want to donate to my campaign, if you want to take a stand against everything that's going wrong right now in our country, you can support my campaign by going to supportbrianna.com. And, you know, as little as $20 is a huge help to my campaign. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter, which is uh, the account known as Space Cat Cow. And uh, Jessica, where can people find you on, <laughs> on the interwebs when right. you're not packing boxes? Oh, God. When will I not be packing boxes? The day after Thanksgiving. Anyway, um, I am on Twitter at Jessica Dennis because I beat out all of my other namesakes, unlike Georgia, um, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it. I was more on the ball than Georgia Dow in this one instance. Um, I also write a weekly video game review at games.jessicadennis.me, and uh, I podcast at um, Ruffled Feathers, which you can access via ruffledfeathers.xyz. All right. So, um, well, I guess I can't I still can't let us out the show because I'm hosting. So, Jessica, why don't you say something to nice people to tell them to go away? Beat it. <laughs> that's what I tell my cats. It works. Does like, it? That's what, no, no, no. That's, how about how about this? You are terminated. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah, that's better. That's better. <laughs>